Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Pa. How are we doing today? Excellent. Beautiful. Such a beautiful day we have here today. To God be the glory. If I were to summarize each of the three readings today, there will be three short sentences. The first reading will be the prophet's depression. The second reading, an apostle's grief. And the gospel, a disciple's fear. None of these sounds like good news, depression, grief, or fear. And I hate to bring bad news. A doctor phoned his patient one afternoon and said, look, I've got some bad news here and some worse news. The patient wondered what it could be. So what's the bad news? The doctor said, well, the bad news is that all your test results show you have 24 hours to leave. The patient wondered, well, what could be worse than that? And the doctor answered, I've been trying to reach you since yesterday. <laughs> Watching the television and following the social media these days can lead us into despondency with the threats of fire and fury to tangible fears and worries plus the endless reports of violence in our cities, the horrors of terrorism, homicides and suicides, incessant killings and mass shootings, hurricanes, tornadoes, explosions and earthquakes. People are asking, where is God in the midst of all of these terrible disasters and mishaps. Sometimes we hear people say, I've had it. I've really had it. I can't take it anymore. I'm literally at the end of my rope. I want to run away. Welcome to the world of Prophet Elijah. Better yet, welcome to our own world. For how many of us have experienced or are experiencing all the feelings that come with it? I have had it. The money runs out and the bills are still there. The marriage is breaking apart. My relationship is hitting the brick wall. Our children are driving us crazy. We lose our job at 10 a.m. and are told to be gone by 11 a.m. Our rent is due. The doctor says, I'm sorry, I just can't do anymore. We are grieving someone we loved very much. We are lonely and very tired of being lonely. We are just exhausted from carrying the burdens that drain us so terribly. This coronavirus is not going away and we are just so tired of it. When we face these feelings, we understand how Elijah felt this morning and we can resonate with his words. This is enough. 
take my life. And you know, if you remember the story of Elijah very well, leading to today's first reading, he's done so many great things for Yahweh. And God had been on his side, miracles upon miracles. And just at this point, his life was in danger because Jezebel was after him. So he thought God had abandoned him. Sometimes we are locked up in this Elijah kind of feeling. What can we do? And how do we keep going? You know what Elijah did? He went up to the mountain, Mount Horeb, for his therapy. And there he was cured of his depression. He was cured of his fear. He was cured of his anxiety, of his loneliness, of his fatigue. Prior to this time, he was spiritually malnourished, physically drained, and emotionally dry. All that Elijah needed to know was that God was there for him. Yes, he encountered God in the gentle breeze, in the still, small voice. Remember, when things got so terribly for him, he headed up straight to the mountain because he believed getting up to the mountain, he will be able to experience Yahweh. He will be able to experience the presence of God. Last Thursday, we celebrated the Feast of Transfiguration, and we remember how Jesus went up Mount Tabor with his three disciples, Peter, James, and John, and Moses and Elijah appeared to them in that mountain. And that was very symbolic, representing the prophets and the law. And both of these two great men had encountered God on the mountain. Because for the Jewish people, like they say in Psalm 121, I look up to the mountains from where shall come my help. My help shall come from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So looking up to the mountain is always like, that is where God lives. Who shall climb the mountain of the Lord, Psalm 14 says, who shall dwell in his holy place? Only the man with clean hands and pure heart, who desires not worthless things, who has not sworn so as to deceive his neighbor. So going up the mountain is usually meant for connecting with God. And I like to see coming to mass coming to church as our own mountain where we encounter Jesus in a very special way, in a unique way. We become one with him in the Eucharist. In the gospel reading, Peter encountered Christ in a unique way. He was walking on the water at the invitation of Jesus and suddenly began to sink why why he was walking on water and then suddenly he started to sink something changed he started to sink because he removed his eyes from jesus he lost sight of his connection with jesus and the very second he did that he started he was able to get suspended on water because he was looking at jesus his faith was built up 
But the moment he started to look at himself as some kind of, you know, Superman or some kind of great guy, he took away the acknowledgement from Jesus. He focused on himself and started to imagine, can I be the one walking on water? He started to show off to his other disciples, started to feel like everybody was below him now. He had removed his eyes from Jesus. Then he started to lose focus. And that is exactly what happens to us when we focus on our problems rather than holding on to our faith, rather than holding on to God. As they say, do not tell God how big your problem is. Tell your problems how big your God is. Christ said to Peter, it is I, be not afraid. I wish we can repeat these words, be not afraid every time of the day, every moment. Just tell yourself, look man, be not afraid. Look girl, be not afraid. Because we find out that fear is one of those things crippling our faith. Faith and fear cannot live together. No. It is either one or the other. So don't give room to fear because it's going to cripple your faith. Like I tell my students, the acronym for fear could either be, you know, F-E-E-F-E-A-R, forget everything and run, or face everything and rise. So you decide which one you want to apply to your situation. Some people even say fear means false evidence appearing real. People just get frightened. And it's okay to get frightened, but as soon as you get frightened, you, you get hold of yourself and come back to yourself. Or you put your faith in, in God, you know? Just a while ago, I don't know if you felt the vibration, you know, from the ground. Did you feel it? I felt it here. And you know, fear came to my mind immediately. I was going to abandon the deacon and the altar service and run inside the church. I turned to the deacon, I said, did you feel that? He said, yes. What could it be? He said, he doesn't know. I thought to Noe, Noe said, it's an earthquake. I said, it better not be an earthquake. You know? So immediately there was fear. But suddenly I realized, but I'm celebrating mass. I mean, whatever it is, I'm ready. I'm ready. Like, I'm ready. So when these things happen around us, let us always look up to Christ, you know? Hold on to him. Be not afraid. Those were the exact same words Saint Pope John Paul II uttered on the day he started his pontificate on October 22nd, 1978. Be not afraid. Those were the three words he said first. Remember, his predecessor had just died 33 days before he became Pope. Remember, he was becoming the first non-Italian pope in 400 years or more of the existence of the church. So he needed those words to begin his pontificate. And it's about the third youngest pope we've had in the history, you know, in modern history of papacy. Be not afraid. 
when he visited the United States, I mean, John Paul II, in 1987 in Los Angeles, those were the same words he told the young people who gathered, be not afraid. After he was shot on the feast of Our Lady of Fatima in 1981, and he was interviewed in the hospital, the first thing he said to the interviewer was, be not afraid. So that seems to have been following him all along. Look at his history. At the age of eight, his mother died. At the age of 12, his only brother died. At the age of 19, the Nazi German army occupied Poland. And at the age of 20, his father died. So he lost everyone before heading into the seminary. Be not afraid. Take courage, Christ says, it is I. When you begin to feel those vibrations around you, when your world is shaking to its foundation, when you think you can never make progress, there will never be any way forward. When you think you are just at the point of giving up, like Elijah, or like Peter who was sinking, quickly remember those words of Christ. Be not afraid. Even in the worst storms like Peter experienced, or in the grief of St. Paul, or when our lives are threatened like Elijah, God is still around the corner speaking to us. He speaks even in the storm. This is not a time to think God is absent. This is a time we should think and ask, are we absent from God? This is not a time to say, God, where are you? This is a time to ask yourself, where am I? Every Sunday we come together, not because we have our act together. We come together each week precisely because we are broken. We are suffering. We are worried. We are oppressed. We are in need or we are in pain. We come together because we are humans and because all of us carry within ourselves a little bit of, or maybe a lot, of Elijah, of Peter, of Paul. We come together because life is so fragile and some days we just don't know how we are going to get from one moment to the next. It is with faith and trust, absolutely in Christ, that we can walk on water with Jesus. All we need to do is trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but the trust and obey. So if Christ tells you, come on now, come out of that boat, walk to me, put your trust and obey, and you will see yourself walking on water and nothing will happen and you will never sink. Praise be our Lord Jesus. Now